Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson and Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today, we are going to be talking about all things organization. I mean, what else is new? (laughs) But this episode is going to be a little bit different because we are going to share five organizational mistakes to avoid making this school year. But first, let's hear a TSH from Dominique. Dominique says, I will be a first-year teacher in the fall. My TSH is that I keep seeing cute TPT products or Instagram posts of great ideas, but feeling like I keep adding to my to-do list without actually feeling like anything is getting done. When do I cut off the awesome classroom ideas and say, I'll try this in two years or never? First of all, Dominique, congratulations on starting your first teaching job. That is super exciting, but also super overwhelming, if we're being honest. Bridget and I both remember our first year of teaching and how it felt like there was so much to do. I know we have said it before, but we're going to keep saying it. Don't compare yourself to other teachers. I'm going to make a parallel to my house because I just feel like there are a lot of similarities and my house is completely taking up all of my time lately. Buying a house is a lot like your first year of teaching. You have all of these visions of what you want to see come to fruition and you see these Instagram pictures of other houses and you want to achieve that, but you have to keep in mind A lot of those pictures are from people who have been living in their house and improving it for years. This isn't all going to get done in a single day or a week or even a year, and that's okay. It's the same thing for teaching. Your classroom is always going to be a work in progress, and your lessons are always going to be a work in progress. Personally, I'm choosing choosing to focus just enjoying the process of making the home improvements. Um, Quick story about our faucets. So Billy and I have suddenly had to learn all about these things that we have not known anything about. And so we've suddenly learned like, oh, there's different kinds of faucets. There's like three whole faucets and one whole faucet. And like, it hasn't been perfect and that's okay. But instead of looking at everything there is to do, I'm just trying to savor each little moment that I make um, and each little improvement and feeling pride in accomplishing that. Yeah, and Michelle absolutely hit the nail on the head with her advice. It's so important to realize that you are setting really high expectations on yourself right now, especially on your first year. Give yourself some slack and instead of trying to do all of the things, set a focus goal on an area that you might want to improve in. For instance, if behavior management is your goal, make sure that you have everything aligned to really help make you successful in that area and then move on to the next. So you can start by creating a priority list to help you work off of. Best of luck to you and congratulations again. As we mentioned in the introduction, today's episode is going to focus on what not to do when it comes to organizing your classroom slash your teacher life. I feel like a lot of these also apply to your teacher life. Bridget and I have five organizational, that's such a word, mistakes that we think you should try to avoid this school year. Keep in mind, these organizational mistakes come from our experiences as teacher. Uh, So if you hear these and you realize a lot of them apply to you, don't feel bad about it. These are mistakes we have all personally made, but we want you to hear our suggestions for improving in those areas in order to increase your efficiency with organization. 
Okay, so let's go ahead and jump on to the first organizational mistake to avoid this year. And that's going to be buying bins without purpose. So buying bins without purpose can really lead you to getting bins that are all different sizes, shapes from different places, and so much more. But the problem with this is, is when you're looking out at your classroom and you have all of these different types of bins, it's going to make you feel a little chaotic when you're looking around. So when you don't have a defined purpose for bins and you don't have a specific type of bin that just kind of meshes and looks cohesive, you're going to realize very quickly that bins will go like out of stock and you're going to have a hard time finding things that match or that certain things will not go with other things in your classroom. And it just makes you feel stressed and as if things are not organized. Yeah, I actually experienced this recently with bins for my closet. Again, y'all, I'm going to be making a lot of home references in the next few episodes, but I had bins that were not quite clear, but they were like clear-ish. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I have those. (laughs) Okay. All right. Perfect. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I had used them in my old closet to organize some of the accessories, so things like scarves and hats. And when we moved, our new closet is a lot bigger And I needed more of that same kind of bin. I go to Target. Nope. (laughs) They no longer carry it. So Bridget, hope you don't need more of them. Oh my gosh. It's so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) But one little side tip for you is that you can always try to repurpose bins. So for example, those bins that I was going to have in my closet, I didn't have enough. I had to get new bins for the closet. But those other bins I was able to actually use. We have like these two cabinets that are from Ikea. We use it for like board games and DVDs. I was able to repurpose the bins in there. So you may need to find that particular size like bin. You may need to find another area where it will work, Um, which kind of a continuation of that story. The bins that Bridget and I are talking about from Target, right? Did you get yours at Target? Yeah, always. Duh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I got them, I had like a smaller size and a larger size. And the smaller size instantly I put up into a cabinet. I'm like, this is perfect. And I went to put the big one up there and it didn't fit. So when you repurpose the bins, just make sure you are very strategic. Um, But the result of what Bridget is describing, where you just go out and buy bins and then, you know, you don't really have a purpose for them, you're going to have areas that aren't organized because you don't have the right bins. And then you just have a stack of bins that you're trying to figure out how to use, but you're not doing so efficiently. Yeah. So here's what you can do instead. Um, Start by creating a list of bins that you will end up needing or areas that you need to organize inside of your classroom. So for instance, you may want to have bins for your manipulatives. You might want to have some for some craft areas. And this is going to be your beginning category. So think of like your big umbrella. From there, you're going to create a list of the manipulatives that you need to organize. And then this will then tell you how many bins you need for that big specific category category. Finally, identify the location of or the space where you would like to be able to house all of these materials. Measure that space and decide on where your bins are going to be going. This step is the most important, can I just say? Yeah. (laughs) Because I have been organizing my house and really embracing this strategy. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and I've been measuring spaces and I've suddenly found out that certain spaces are very weird sizes. Like my drawers are seven inches across and 17 inches deep. It's such a weird space. So I've had to be very strategic with finding bins that will exactly fit that space. And I think it's even harder in classrooms because classrooms, Lord, like they have 
such weird closets and cabinets like some of them were made back in like the 60s and it's like everything was like super tiny back then but now some of the newer construction rooms have really big spaces do you know what I mean so you have to kind of identify it for your specific classroom yeah and then it's hard because if you change classrooms it may not be exactly the same let's not go there (laughs) okay yeah let's just pretend that that's not a thing don't don't even think about that right now that's not something to think about but here's what we do we do recommend it going kind of a little plain Jane when it comes to some of your your bins that you do end up deciding this will help to keep things clean and consistent you can always add a little flare with your labels um, to help kind of match it to your decor the benefit of this is that you can always ensure that you're finding bins that will match um, and then always switch out your labels to add a little spice in your life Love it. So mistake number one was buying bins without purpose. Mistake number two is storing items in multiple locations. Y'all hopefully know what I mean. So when you go to grab a glue stick, you have some glue sticks in this one cabinet, and then you have your overflow glue sticks in another cabinet, and then you have like another kind of glue stick in another cabinet. This is something I have been guilty of. Even recently, this honestly started my first year of teaching, and this piggybacks off of mistake number one. I just went out and bought a bunch of random bins. I bought bins that I thought were cute. And I said, when I get into my classroom, I will find a way to make them work. As a result, I had these like dinky little containers. And when I went to store supplies in them, they barely held anything. So I would have, like I mentioned, glue sticks. I'd have some glue sticks in this cabinet, but they wouldn't all fit in the bin. So I'd have to get another bin for the rest of the glue sticks. And it was just a hot mess. This continued, however, into my fourth year of teaching when I switched to fourth grade because I was coming from second grade and I was used to organizing things there, when I made the switch to fourth grade, I started having supplies in two different areas. So I would have like the main bins of supplies and then I would have the extras that didn't fit in those supplies and I just did not like it. And then when I was moving just recently, I experienced this again. I had like similar items in three different boxes, which was very stressful and frustrating because I could never find what I needed. But I took the time and I went through it. I said, you know what? I'm going to find a box big enough to hold all of it so that I don't have to keep it separated. And you found one. I did. Yeah. I I feel like this can kind of relate back to like the Marie Kondo or like the clean sweep. I wanted to call this what? The supermarket sweep? Yeah. Bridget was like, oh, the supermarket sweep. I'm like, wrong show. It's clean sweep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where you basically have to take all of the pile of things from the similar category and kind of find them from your house and just throw them all together. So the more time that you really take to be able to organize things in one spot, the less time you're going to be spending just scrummaging. I love that word, one of my favorites, (laughs) scrummaging through all of the different areas to be able to find those items. You will always know where and what you have on hand, which is really beneficial. Yep. Here is what you need to do instead then. Bridget just started to kind of describe it. I know this sounds crazy, but go with me. Organization is a process. It isn't something you can just pick up and get done in a matter of minutes, at least in most cases. We recommend, as Bridget just described, putting all of your similar items into a pile. That way you can determine the actual volume of materials you have. So for example, with supplies, how many glue sticks do you have? How many extra notebooks do you have? How many dry erase markers do you have? Based on that volume, you can then find a container or location 
location that will not only hold all of those materials, but will also give you room to grow. This is the most important part. Now, keep in mind that some of these um, items, the amount of items that you have is going to be different during specific times of the year. So you will need to consider what is the largest amount that you could possibly have at any given time. Beginning of the year is a great time to see how many items that you are going to have of that specific category. I love that tip. So what Bridget is saying is figure out when you're going to have the most of that item, which if that's like at the end of the year for you, then go you. I don't know how you make that work. But for most of us, it's going to be the beginning of the year. So it's perfect timing right now to go through this process. Uh, Now, if the amount you have is too big to fit in any one area, you can always divide up the materials in a way that makes sense in order to store them separately, like in two different places. I mentioned those cabinets where I house, this is at home, obviously, a lot of like board games and DVDs. Well, Billy started putting the DVDs in. They did not all fit on one shelf. There was a little bit of overflow. So he started putting them in front of the other DVDs. And I said, no, 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 that's not gonna work because then I can't see what's behind it. And I knew they had to get split between two shelves. What I did is went through and pulled out the ones that were like DVD seasons. I was big into buying seasons of shows when I was in college. So like The Office, Friends, uh, Boy Meets World. I have all the Boy Meets World seasons. It's so (laughs) cute. And I took those and put them on their own shelf. So in terms of the classroom, let's say you have a huge amount of glue sticks. You could actually store your large glue sticks, those like jumbo ones, and their small glue sticks separately That way you can actually fit them all in one place together, but you don't have to worry about finding like a gigantic space to house every single glue stick. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move into the third mistake that you want to avoid this year. And that's going to be not creating zones. So think about it in your house. You have a spot for everything in your house, right? Your clothes, your shoes, your kitchen supplies. You wouldn't store your blender, for example, in your bedroom, would you? (laughs) No, that's super weird unless you're like a Michael Scott and you want to have like a smoothie in the morning when you wake up without getting up. Sorry, I threw that in. Um, There's someone out there now who's like, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But your classroom needs to be treated in the exact same way. You have to create zones of like items that make it easy for you to, to locate and grab materials that you might need. The zones in your classroom will really help to keep you from overflowing and placing items in random spots, but also makes it really easy when it comes to maintaining your systems. And that's the most important part, right? Creating a system is nothing if you can't maintain it. So this this mistake is huge. This is something I have been guilty of, especially my first few years of teaching. I remember loading items in my cabinets my first year of teaching, and I literally came into my classroom with all the bags of stuff I had been collecting over the years and had gone out and bought, and I just wanted to get it into cabinets. So I just started stuffing stuff in there with no rhyme or reason. I mean, each cabinet had like a purpose, but they didn't flow together. So I'd have a cabinet of supplies and then a cabinet of math manipulatives and then a cabinet of art supplies and then a cabinet of more math manipulatives. (laughs) It just didn't make sense. And therefore it made it very difficult to find what I needed when that time came. Yeah, I can imagine. So here's what you guys can do instead. Start by assessing all of the items that you have and place everything into specific categories. These can be very big, broad categories. So maybe you have like a math area or you have a reading area 
area, or you can start to kind of finite some of those categories and create subcategories within those big, larger areas. So you might have like a teacher professional books category, like I mentioned, math manipulatives, craft items, supplies, etc. These larger categories can then be broken down, like I mentioned, and then depending on the number of items and the quantity of each, you will need to assess your room and decide on the zone that it belongs in. Yeah, this is really important because, again, you don't want to have a space that doesn't fit the amount of the item that you have. In my fourth grade classroom, I had smaller cabinets and then bigger cabinets. So the smaller ones were like your normal size cabinets. The bigger ones went all the way from like basically floor to ceiling. In my bigger cabinets, I had one for all my math supplies and one for all my reading supplies. And they were right next to each other, which became my like instructional zone, if you will. Mm -hmm. In the smaller cabinets, I had my supplies, which I then broke down because it was a smaller space. I had to break it down. I had a cabinet for teacher supplies and a cabinet for student supplies. Yeah. So before you decide on where these items will remain for the year, place things away and just kind of see if it would work for the flow and the materials that you have. You might need to make some changes um, and find what really works best for you. Yep. Love it. Mistake number four is not having a place for everything. Whenever I'm organizing, I always remind myself of the saying, there's a place for everything and everything has its place. Yes. I think it's just very calming. <laughs> Now, obviously, an organ organizational system only works if you properly maintain it. And one of the easiest ways to slip off track and stop maintaining it is when you start putting things in the wrong place or not returning them to like their proper place. The number one reason this happens is because you do not have a place for everything. So let's say I have students that want to redo an assignment and they hand it to me. If I don't have a place to put that paper, I may just sit it on my desk, which is then going to create a cycle of me putting other papers on my desk as well. Yeah, I'm sitting here and I'm just like nodding constantly because I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That is, I'm total in agreement over here. But do keep in mind that this may happen throughout the year. And so you might need to reevaluate where you're keeping materials and make changes as needed. So for example, last year we had a need for like hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies and all this excess just cleaning materials and sanitizing materials. Now we always had hand sanitizer, but I mean like last year it was like tripled inside of my class. Classroom. So based on the items that I had and just some of the new things that I had to do, I had to find new locations to store some of these things. So as you find the need, take time to create locations and systems that make sense and help keep you organized. You mentioned nodding over and over again. Do yeah. you know what phrase of yours from a previous podcast I pulled out the other day with Billy? No. Like a bobblehead hitting a speed bump. <laughs> He literally just looked at me like, what? I was like, ask Bridget. <laughs> so it. here is what you need to do instead. First of all, remember, this is an ongoing process. It isn't going to be something that you can take care of at the beginning of the year and then just forget about. You are going to have to go through this multiple times during the year. But 
it's honestly very simple. If at any point you have an item that does not have a designated space, you need to create one for it. This may require getting a new bin or container, or you may be able to store it in a zone you have already created. Our biggest suggestion though, is just to take care of it in the moment. Remember, be like Nike and just mm-hmm. do it. Don't put it down in the wrong place and say you will take care of it later because the reality is that's a lie. It's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> Decide on the location, determine if you need a new bin or container, and then go ahead and buy that bin or container ASAP. This may mean Amazoning it. That's a thing, right? Like that's yeah, totally. a verb. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> or saying, you know what, I'm gonna stop at Target on my way home and I'm gonna find a bin that fits that item. Yeah. Now, don't use this idea as a crutch, but for those specific times when you were in the middle of a lesson and you can't create a quick system, have a bin on the desk. Okay. So use this with caution. I feel like I kind of put that in all caps, guys, like use this with caution because I have used this before, but again, don't use it as a crutch. But this is a really quick and easy way to help you keep in that moment of teaching and having the kids around you, but at the still at the same time organizing it. So you have to make sure at the end of the day or during your own block period or whatever it might be that you're cleaning out that bin and putting things back where they need to go. But in that moment, you're still able to kind of be with your kids in your class. That's such a great idea, Bridget. There are definitely moments where we can't resolve the organizational need immediately, but what you are describing is basically like creating an area for items that don't have a place, which actually is right along the lines of what we're pitching because you're, you know, creating a space for it. It's just a space for things that don't have a space. I don't know. Yeah. A, a, th- a space, things for no space. Okay, I can't say what you just said, but I tried. <laughs> All right. A for effort. It's really early still here. <laughs> here we go. So let's go ahead and jump into the very last mistake that you want to try to avoid. And that's not building the habit of maintaining your system. Um, I feel like this is a big one and I can't remember if we even put this in here, but I'm going to go ahead and say it and maybe we can repeat it a little bit later. But you cannot use the crutch of I'm busy and it was just a crazy day. Teachers, we got to stop doing that to ourselves because then we're only causing us more issues and it's only going to build up more stress. It's like adding to it. And so it's going to be like you're putting like cake layers. I don't know why I'm thinking of cake, but I'm putting like cake layers and the cake is getting higher and higher and higher. And then all of a sudden it's going to topple over. and It's going to make a giant mess all over your floor. Question. You won't get to eat it. Did you play on DisneyChannel.com as a kid? There was a game, I think it was from like Lilo and Stitch, and you were one of the little monster things, and you had a sandwich plate, and you had to catch all of the different sandwich things, and your sandwich would get higher and higher, so it would like sway. No, she has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm 10 years older than you almost. You're not 10. I was going to say almost. I'm almost. I sat through an almost, but I'm almost 10 years older than you. Like (laughs) Back when we had computers, like... (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a disney channel on okay online. i'm old stop i mean i know i look young and i'm yes, like you super do. fun and flirty 30 flirty and thriving <laughs> <laughs> well you know when i first told billy your age he like didn't believe me because he thought you were younger than that I know. so <laughs> well trent and i both look really young yeah okay So we're going back into this whole not building the habit of maintaining the system. So this is really a a biggie and we get it. After a long day of just dealing with behaviors and teaching, you're exhausted. However, you have to learn to push yourself and develop the discipline and the habit for maintaining the system 
every single day. When you follow the steps above, like all of the different things that we've talked about doing instead of the mistakes that we've mentioned, you're going to find that maintaining the system that you have created is going to be a lot easier than before. So then this might be that you have a specific time of the day that you set aside for cleaning and placing everything back in its place. Yeah. And I know Bridget's going to talk more about like what to do instead, but here's a quick little organizational hack, if you will, (laughs) for you. Have your students help you maintain your systems. You don't have to do it all yourself. You can create classroom jobs for students to complete the tasks, or you can just ask for volunteers in the moment. So you'll have like half your class raise your hands. But for example, classroom library, that's a system organizational system that you have to maintain, which means the books have to get put back in the correct space. Have a student do that. Have a classroom librarian that goes through at the end of the day or the beginning of the day and organizes all of your books. Or even little things like taking graded papers that have been turned in and getting them put into your grade drawer. I trained a student to do this and that student would actually take the papers. They would put them in alphabetical order because my students were already putting their number on it. So they just had to put it in like numerical order. They would binder clip it with the correct color binder clip. I even, you know, trained them on that and to know which block was which color and they would then put it into my grade drawer. So have your students help you. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're there for. Um, I go, my grandmother basically was like, well, why do I have kids if they're not going to drive me around? I I agree, grandma. (laughs) I agree. They should be driving you around. Um, Okay, so here are some things that you can do instead. So first, develop a routine. Yes, I know we talk a lot about routines, but it's because it actually works. So find a routine that works for you and can easily be done within a specific time frame. This will depend on when and how much time you have available in your own personal schedule. You can check out episode 011, How to Leave Feeling Prepared for the Next Day, where we walk you through creating a checklist that you can be used as a specific routine. When you develop develop the routine, you'll eventually build this as a habit. The more and more you do it, the more um, instinctual, that's not a word, is it? Yes, it is. Instinctual. It is? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I have a word. All right. So <laughs> the more of an instinct it becomes. So you do need to remember that you need to be disciplined and you need to stay consistent in order to take the routine and build it into a habit. Love it. Let's go ahead and recap those mistakes before we close it out. Mistake number one was buying bins without purpose. We're all guilty of it. It's okay. Mistake number two is storing items in multiple locations. So try to consolidate as much as possible. Number three is not creating zones. And remember, you may even want a zone for things that don't have zones. Number four, not having a place for everything because everything has a place and everything, its place is everything. I forget what the exact quote was, but yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then number five, not building the habit of maintaining your system. Now, if you are enjoying this episode and you're not driving, please go ahead and screenshot it, you know, take a little screenshot on your phone and then post it on your Instagram stories and tag us on Instagram at teaching on the double. You can also tag our individual accounts. Bridget is at The Letter Classroom. Michelle, that's me, is at Pocketful of Primary. We would love to know that you are enjoying this episode. 
Absolutely. And while you're also not driving, um, head over to our website and submit your TSH. We want to know what is your time sucking hurdle right now, and then you have a chance to be featured right here on the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified the next time we drop our we. <laughs> Let's let's try that again, guys. I'm going to go back and reword that one. <laughs> so also be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified when we drop our next episode. There, I did it. And make sure to leave a review over on iTunes. We really do enjoy hearing your feedback. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.